The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, Sammy Steigman is with us here, who's a Holocaust survivor and now a motivational speaker. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm very proud and very honoured. Uh, I have been in the uh, UK a couple of times, mm. and I think the most memorable uh, event was when I was in Jersey, okay, for the Liberation Day, mm. and I was the keynote speaker. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're honoured to have you on the show today, and it's interesting because... If we go right back to the very start of your story, you actually say that you were officially born in three different countries. <laughs> very good, I love it. As a matter of as a matter of fact, uh, one fourth grader or fifth grader, because I started with four graders and not too young. Mm. Although I spoke to two, third graders and one time to one uh, to second graders, yeah. which was extremely memorable for me. It is, but interestingly enough. Uh, one kid, I think fourth or fifth grader, said it, my mother moved. <laughs> That's mm. not the reality. The reality is that as the borders changed, so did my nationality. Mm. So when we went to Israel in 1961, my passport, it said that I was born in Romania. When I came to the United States, it said that I was born in the former Soviet Union. Mm. And today in my passport, it says that I was born in Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you understand why I'm a mixed up kid. Is there any one of those countries that you feel you belong to the most? United States and Israel. Yeah. And Israel. Uh, one of the things that I don't know about the UK, but here in the United States, people like to identify themselves by the country of origin. Yeah. So a lot of people order their uh, ethnic group. So a lot of people say Italian adapted to the Romanian culture. I was a Romanian. Mm. In Israel, I adapted to Israeli culture. I was Israeli. Here, I adapted to the American culture. I'm an American. But I'm very proud of my heritage yeah. as Jewish and Jew. So when you use the word American, that unites. Mm. Sublimely, when you say Jewish American, Israeli American, Afro-American, Italian American, sublimely, it divides. It beats one group against the other. That's why I don't like uh, when people uh, identify themselves but, uh, by their culture, but the country of origin. But that's a personal opinion. Yeah. Some young people agree with me, some young people disagree with me, which is, that's exactly what I'm looking for. It's interesting because you also say that in terms of the Holocaust, you were quite young, so you don't really remember it, do you? 
I don't, last minute, it's not, I don't really, I don't remember. Yes. I have no memory of that fast. And until the Eichmann trial in 1961 in Israel, okay, the Holocaust survivors felt guilty, ashamed, and like victims. Mm. And they wanted the children to have a normal childhood. So they did not want to burden them with those horror stories. So only a night after the Eichmann trial in 1961, slowly the Holocaust survivors started to talk. Uh, there were actually two trials. The Nuremberg trial in 1946, which was not about the Holocaust. Mm. It was to bring the high-ranking Nazi criminals to justice. The Eichmann trial in, was, in essence, about the Holocaust. 102 survivors spoke about it. Okay, it was shown all over the world for three months uh, and every single day for three hours. And it was in all of the media and everything else. So that was really part of Yeah. Although you don't remember anything from it, it does have a lasting effect, doesn't it? Because they performed medical experiments on you. That is correct. So every survivor uh, reacted differently to the trauma Mm. they went through. Like in my father's case, he was a very good man, uh, but he was a hardened person, okay? Because uh, he was an orphan, or both of his parents grew up in an orphanage in Vienna. So uh, at age 13, he was let go, could not be longer there. So he had to learn how to fend for himself. And that helped them during the war and after the war when there was not enough food to feed the population. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, uh, so he was a hard, but a very good man and, and an unforgiving person. Uh, because from my father's side, from 42 people, only two survived. Obviously, my father and my uncle. My uncle was not a survivor. He was never in a camp. Mm. He was a refugee in one, the only three countries, only three countries that officially accepted Jewish refugees, Dominican Republic, China, and Philippines. And my uncle was a refugee in Shanghai. Uh, So for me, for 63 years, I felt I don't belong to the Holocaust survivors. No memory. My parents did not talk about it, except that my father talked about uh, his family that he lost during the Holocaust. Uh, So I knew that I'm a Holocaust survivor because I knew I was in a camp. but I felt they don't belong to them. Uh, I felt they don't belong to the children of the Holocaust survivors because most of them were born in DP camps, displaced people. Uh, they had to be there for three to five years in the difficult conditions, uh, but they had no place to go. But the threat of death, the daily threat of being killed did not exist. And uh, two things have happened that uh, made me decide to start to speak. And I gave my first presentation only in 2008. What were those things? The Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. closed its doors for 16 years in a row to the general public for two days. It opened up only to the Holocaust survivors, their children and their liberators. I never went. Mm. On November 1st, November 2nd, 2003, which I call it meant to be destiny, uh, I decided to go. There were over 8,000 people from all over the world. And at the table where I was sitting, I met a man born in the same city, been in the same camp, the same years, 1941, 1944. He was reported when he was eight months old. I was here and a half. That is the difference between history and living history. By meeting him, for the first time, I felt I belonged to both generations. Mm. And that prompted me to stop ignoring being a Holocaust survivor. In 2007, I joined the 
to speak to six graders. Okay, obviously you have spoken publicly. If you will look back, you will realize that your first presentation is not the best, mm-hmm. not the most complete. I did not have a story. I did not know they can tell a story. And I had no idea what impact I will have on such young people. Again, meant to be. They sent me thank you letters. Each one better than the other. But one sixth grade changed my life forever. She wrote, P.S., your story was overwhelmed. And I promise I'll pass your story to my children. By the way, uh, if you feel comfortable, okay, please give out my uh, website, sammysamispeaks.com, and uh, except on the mobile, they will be able to download my PowerPoint, my presentation. Thank you. That if you feel comfortable. Yes. When you first sort of found out that you were a victim of the Holocaust, how did you feel? What was your reaction to that? I don't think it was the initial reaction. Mm. It just came later uh, when I became homeless. Okay. And uh, I did realize uh, I overcame it by volunteering. Mm. And I realized that by volunteering, by helping other people, you are actually helping yourself. And that enabled me to open up uh, because we all go through difficult times in life. And by overcoming obstacles, we are actually becoming stronger, kinder, better people. And uh, by opening up, I met a lot of people that uh, they were comfortable and they opened up also. And uh, that was a lesson that I have learned. And I found out that uh, for me, being able to talk and not to keep it inside uh, was uh, therapeutic. Yeah, Uh, It liberated me. Uh, I uh, I don't have to hide I don't have to pretend, you know, that I'm not a Holocaust survivor. Ignore it. I can talk freely about it. I can talk about any subject that I want. And one other uh, subject that uh, I like to talk about is about the state of Israel. I served in the Israeli Air Force, and I also am a motivational speaker. So my mission in life is a Hebrew word, emet, which means truth. And it stands for, it's an, uh, uh, okay, it, it stands for to educate the next generation, mm. to motivate them to be the best they can be, to empower them to become upstanders. And I also teach them about tolerance. And tolerance is not, uh, you know, somebody hurts you or something to tolerate it. Tolerance to me means something totally different. It's accepting other people's opinion, other people's culture. Mm-hmm. Okay, does not mean to tolerate when somebody is rude to you or you know it's not nice or a miserable person. Okay, so uh, people have different opinions what tolerance means. But I gave you my pers- personal uh, perspective on tolerance. Means. Yeah, and why do you think the Holocaust happened? And what do you think causes genocides in general? Very interesting. It, uh, I'm the only Holocaust survivor, unfortunately, I'm saying unfortunately, that instead of emphasizing my story, that ordinary people, not only Germans, but from all over the world, found it not only acceptable, but required to annihilate one group of people, the Jewish people. And everything started slowly, step by step by step, until it reached a point of no return. And everything starts with words. It starts with bullying. You can bully a person, you can bully a group of people. And it also started because people did not react in the beginning. 
Okay, they uh, became apathetic. Uh, they uh, said, well, it's not about me, it doesn't affect me. Mm. So uh, they are forgetting that there's only one race, the human race. We are all human beings. It's our duty to help one another. Uh, they also uh, became... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Became uh, bystanders. As bystanders, they became part of the crowd. So I start with the end of World War I. Uh, when Germany lost the war in the Treaty of Versailles, there were three punishments that took away the national pride from the Germans. Number one, uh, they had to return all the occupied land. They had to demilitarize if you not have an army. And number three, they had to pay reparations. And that caused inflation. But people do not really comprehend what inflation is. Okay, because we are dealing with in a daily basis, we can adjust to it. But take a look in Germany. In 1917, one American dollar was worth four German money. Wow. At the height of inflation in 1923, one American dollar was worth one trillion. Wow. You could have a wheelbarrow full of paper money, yeah. and you could not buy a newspaper. Even geniuses in propaganda. And Hitler said, you know, German people, I know why you suffer. The German army did not lose the war. We were stabbed uh, and uh, 
by the who were stepped in the back by the communists and by the Jews. The communists came also first because everybody was afraid of them, and Jews because they were hated. As a matter of fact, when uh, the Nazis built their first concentration camp in uh, Dachau, they did not target the Jews. They went after the communists, their political enemies. It so happened that most of them were Jews, most of the communists. But they initially did not have it. Uh, and through propaganda, by boycotting the stores, by uh, uh, you know isolating them, uh, they wanted the people, through propaganda, to feel that the Jews are an enemy. So the Nazis came to power in 1933. And uh, in 1935, they came out with the Nuremberg Laws, in which they took away their citizenship, uh, Jewish doctors could not practice medicines, teachers could not teach, children could not go to schools or participate in sports. And so they made the difficulty very difficult. But their initial goal was not to murder the Jews. It was to have a Germany free of Jewish people, Juden frei. Mm. Okay. Yes, and a lot of Jews left, but where did they go? They went to Europe. But the interesting part is, although they had the Nuremberg laws and they made life difficult for Jews, the Germans were not violent. They became violent only in 1938 after Germany annexed Austria. And uh, there were riots sponsored by the state, okay, in which they murdered over 100 Jews destroyed over 7,500 stores in synagogues and put in prison 30,000. That was the first time that the Germans became violent. The other important thing is, is we have to remember, for instance, uh, when the war started, September 1st, and they attacked first, they attacked Poland. But remember one thing, unlike Europe, which became occupied within a very short time, within two weeks, it was called Blitzkrieg. Mm. Poland was annexed, which means it became part of the greater Germany. So in Germany itself, they did not want the Jews, but they found in Poland 3.3 million Jews. What do you do with that? That gave them the idea, how do you get rid of that many Jews in Poland? Uh, uh, the other important uh, date that is also very important to remember is June 22nd, 1941, when the Wehrmacht attacked former Soviet Union. Mm. Behind them were the troops, special killing groups called Einsatzgruppe. And behind them were also the Romanian troops. And that's why my parents and I were deported by the Romanians and not by the Germans. Romania was never occupied by Germany. So interestingly enough, uh, what happened is that date, we have to remember why I my, when my parents were deported by the Romanians. And uh, that was called, they did not have any concentration camp. That was called uh, murder by bullets. In Ukraine, uh, in Ukraine, they murdered one and a half million Jews by bullets. Mm. Okay. The other date that must be remembered is January 20, 1942. That is the official date of the Holocaust, the Vansi Conference. 15 high-ranking ranking Nazi criminals uh, got together to decide, okay, uh, the final solution to the Jewish question. Heinrich Himmler gave the order, okay, to find, to decide the final solution. And what was the final solution? They started with Europe. They came out with a list of 
all of the European countries, 11 billion Jews. It's something that we must remember. Once they were going to murder all of the European Jews, they wanted to open up a museum. They were going to follow the museum of the extinct Jewish race. Uh, among these 15 high-ranking Nazi criminals, there was Adolf Eichmann. He was not one of the policymakers, but he was the one that implemented it. And in 1944, towards the end of the war, when everybody knew that Germany would lose, Adolf Eichmann, in only two months, deported 437,000 Hungarian Jews to their deaths. And I use Adolf Eichmann as an example to understand the efficiency of the Nazis and their collaborators to be able to murder 11 million people in such a short period of time. Yeah, and the word Nazi is commonly thrown around a bit to describe people that aren't literal Nazis. Is that fair, or is it actually quite dangerously trivialising the events of the Holocaust and more? If you really uh, think about it, there are no Nazis today. There are people of today that believe in the Nazi ideology. Mm. So the correct word should be used, neo-Nazi. When you use the word Nazi, you're talking about the past. Neo-Nazi, you're talking about the present. There has to, you cannot lump them together. And people uh, like to throw around and uh, leaders, uh, uh, people of uh, empowered celebrities, they throw words and they don't understand the damage they, they do to the young generation. They have large followers. Young people do not do the research. Okay, and uh, Joseph Gables, the minister of propaganda under Hitler, said something that is very actual today, and this is part of the problem that we're having. And this is social media and the media itself. Joseph Gables said, a lie told long enough becomes truth. Mm. And what happens is when the leaders, when people with celebrities, people in power, use the wrong words, young people don't do the research. And they repeat that. And that becomes the truth. And yeah. that is what my goal is, is to educate the young people, to understand the importance of using each word. Like to give an ex- can I give you two other examples? Yeah, sure. And then if you want, I can also give you Israel. But uh, let me give you here in the United States. A leader of our country said that there are concentration camps in the South. And that is a complete lie. And I have mm. seen Someone came, were not deported. They came willingly. Okay. Uh, at the same time, okay, the threat of death, the daily threat, does not exist. Okay. And they are taken care of as much as possible. Life is not easy. But call it whatever you want. Detention camps, call it whatever you want. But do me a favor. Don't call it concentration camp because it, it's trivialized mm. what happened during those days. Yeah. Okay? Another example, somebody said that Holocaust is happening in the world. And uh, I had a friend of mine that used that uh, word. Okay, uh, Not that, uh, yeah, she used uh, the word Holocaust. And I said, do me a favor. What's happening in your country is a tragedy. But please don't use the word Holocaust. Holocaust is the annihilation of the people, only the Jewish people. On the other hand, genocide, okay, is the murder of a group of people. And she listened to me and she changed it. That was happening in her country, uh, in Ethiopia, with the Tigray. And she changed it from Holocaust, she changed it to genocide, okay? Uh, so we have to be very careful. Like people uh, lump together, like for instance, uh, anti-Semitism and hatred. They are not the same thing. 
by the way, I don't like the word anti-Semites. Mm. And you will be surprised. Why not? Mm. Because there are three groups that are Semites. The Jews, the Arabs, and the Ethiopians. But when they use the word anti-Semite, they refer only to the Jews. Mm. So I prefer the word anti-Jew. Okay? Now, interestingly enough, uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Jew is 4,000 years old. It refers only to anti-Jew. This anti-Jew. I fight hatred. As a matter of fact, I have been involved and I am involved with the Uyghur people. Okay? And these are the people that uh, are uh, in concentration camps in China. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people do not know who the Uyghur people are. Uh, in the former Soviet Union, when the Jews did not want to be deported to Siberia or face other uh, dire consequences, they went to south, to the south, like Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. In Uzbekistan, live Muslims, Uyghurs. Their uh, language is close to uh, the Turkish one. And they receive the Jews with open arms. And that's why I'm saying, you know, I am fighting hatred. I am not concentrating just only in anti-Jew, anti-Semitism. Yeah. Well, where are all the places that we can keep up to date with you and find out more information about you? Well, I call myself MD. Hmm. I am not a doctor. I am a media official. I have an Instagram account, but I don't know how to use it. Hmm. So the only platform that I put in all the information is on my Facebook page and obviously on the website. Well, many thanks for coming on today. It's been great to chat to you. And any time that you want, I will be extremely honoured, okay? And I'm hoping that one day I will be re-invited uh, to come to uh, UK and to speak to as many young people as I can. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby.